Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Junior Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and man he is. They chat about topics like state of boxing, Abner's American dream, sports music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts, episodes in English out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries Podcast, Week 6 Edition, brought to you by Pepsi, Bet Online, Indeed, and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we're recording. It's currently 7.20 Eastern, and it's never good when you start recording before your lock of the week is officially over. Yeah, you know, I would love to kind of shit on you for your Packers pick, but I was very financially invested in the Packers today as well, so I'm I'm hurting there with you. That was a weird game. We'll get into the lock of the week recap shortly. Uh, got away from the Packers very quickly after they're looking pretty good early on. So quickly. Let's actually, let's just start with it since it's on, it's topical. They got off to a great start. It was one of those times when you have a bet and you're like, there's no way it's going to be this easy. The the 
<clears throat> the Bucks offense looked dead in the water. They had a couple three and outs early. Uh, Packers put together two long drives. The second drive, I was like a little nervous about it uh, because I was like, they have to score a touchdown here. It felt like if they only went up six nothing, they weren't going to get their money's worth out of uh, that um, situation. And then they get the ball back, and Rodgers throws just a bad pick six on like an out pass to, I believe, his Adams. And then the next drive, he kind of forces one, and that gets picked off. And then next thing you know, Bucks punch it in. And they're up 14 10, and here we are right now. There's 420 left in the fourth quarter. And the Bucks have scored 38 unanswered, and we're just left here. Um, I don't, I don't even know what happened. Yeah, the game, the game turned quickly. They looked great, 10 nothing after the first quarter. I did what you shouldn't ever do. I started thinking, okay, I'm gonna hit these couple bets. I put them on Packers. Where does that get me for the week? Do I wanna put on, a, put in a bet for the 49er game? So I guess it's slightly on me. But yeah, the Packers looked great. The first two drives, they went right down the field, scored. I wonder if Rodgers was like slightly concussed from that hit he took when he, he ran like, in for the touchdown. They took it. They ended up taking it off. But like, I wonder if he was a little like lackadaisical or in the clouds from that. Because after that, he was horrible. 16 to 35 in the game, 160, no touchdowns, two picks. Took four sacks and give the Bucks defense credit. They looked incredible from the second quarter on. Devin White, um, Levante David were flying all over the place, and Dom Sue was in there a bunch of times. Yeah. Rodgers going <laughs> back ball. and forth. You, you forget that Sue is still in the league, and just all the history there when he was on the Lions. Um, so he was playing great. So this game was, this was a great game for the Bucks. I think their defense really showing that they're the strength this team. Brady played pretty well. We saw Gronk sighting today. Ronald Jones looks nice. But I think the key for this Bucks team is playing really good defense, and they have a defense that really, I think, can carry them in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats right now. The game's not officially over yet, but both offenses are under 300 total yards. Packers only 201. And, I mean, the game flipped on its head as soon as the two turnovers happened. And we spoke about it. One of the one of the reasons we both like the Packers this week, the Bucks, time and time again, they're not disciplined. They commit a lot of penalties. Um, they had, as of this recording, they have no penalties. So maybe they'll end the game with one or two. But when this game was uh, in the balance, they, they came to play. So you got to give them credit. I mean, they bounce back. And I do want to speak one quickly about Brady I thought Brady and Gronk looked really good Gronk actually played the best game I think so far of the season for him while wow, we have a Blaine Gabbert sighting on the Bucks, Blaine train um, but you look at his stats he had five catches 78 yards a touchdown he, his touchdown was big it was like a classic Brady Gronk kind of back shoulder fade play in the end zone um, but with OJ Howard down if Gronk can actually put together I don't know uh, a semi-healthy run I like I like what I'm seeing out of this Bucks team. It seems like they kind of started to get their juju a little bit with Ronald Jones being the primary ball carrier. They have LaShawn McCoy that's kind of playing the James White scat back role, and it looks, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, LaShawn McCoy looks terrible, but Ronald Jones looks really good, and if he could keep that <laughs> momentum and they could just kind of play keep what away. <laughs> what? I mean, he looks. T- I mean, like his numbers. He's, he had like he had like he had like for, he's four carries for one yard. What are you talking he had, about? He, he, he had one nice catch for six yards, and I was like, oh, LeSean McCoy, he could be decent. And then he's, I think, I mean, literally all the momentum the Bucks would have, and they'd bring him <laughs> McCoy would would stop. Um, so I, I don't know what game you were watching. He looked terrible. Ron Jones looked 
very good. And if the I mean, we talked about it, the Bucks' Achilles heel so far this year was penalties, and uh, so if they could stay away from that, I think they definitely have a chance. And Packers looked great through four games this year. The offense looked great. Rodgers looked back to kind of like his MVP form. And it's just one game. You don't want to overreact too much. But is this what we saw from the Packers last year where, you know, they play they, – I didn't even think they played that well last year versus worst teams. But they beat up on these uh, lower-tier teams. And when they played the top teams in the NFC or in the league, they looked pretty bad and got their teeth kicked in. And we talked about the Rodgers sat after a bye, and I looked it up last year. They had their bye week. The next week they played the 49ers on Sunday night and got killed. So maybe that was something we should have thought about. And the Packer fans want to say, oh, the warm weather, they don't play well. To me, that's just an excuse to say your team is soft. Um, so really, really bad game for the Packers today and not what you were hoping to see uh, for your lock of the week and for me having a bet on it. Yeah. And I mean, the thing with the Packers, they did beat the Saints early in the year, which, again, it was in New Orleans, no fans. But still, that's that's a good win. I'll give them that. And you thought off the bye, they'd come in sharp in a big matchup versus Brady. And it really was bizarre. Maybe it was the hit. Maybe Rodgers was concussed there. He also on one of the picks, he like uh, tackled the guy down and kind of landed on his shoulder. I don't know. I mean, he missed a wide open Mercedes Lewis, which I don't know how that guy's still in the league, but he is. Um, But yeah, whatever. So I am now three, two and one on my lock of the week. Uh, Tyler, I was golfing this morning. I was following things on my phone and I thought your lock of the week got off to a great start, which it did. And then it's, it seemed like it kind of died. And then Derek Henry just was a man child. Yeah, this was a, I mean, you look at the final score and it hit easily 78, uh, 42, 36. This was a great game. Titans won in overtime. Um, and it, it felt like it was going to die at one point in the third quarter. Then the Texans got a touchdown. They strip sack Tannehill, set up another quick touchdown. So we are 44 total points going into the fourth. <laughs> the over was 52 and a half. I felt great. And then Tennessee was driving. Gotzkowski missed a second field goal of the game. And I was like, like this is this is dead in the water. Houston then stalls out on a drive and they punt it and pin Tennessee back on their own six yard line. And I'm like, said to my roommate, I was like, I need the Titans just to pull a huge play like they usually do, just like out of nowhere. Next play, Derrick Henry runs for 94 yards. I felt invigorated that the over was back on. Two plays later, Deshaun Watson hits Wolf Fuller for like a 50 yard touchdown. The over hit. So it was, it was never in doubt, but there were a couple moments where it did get a little nervous. And the, the Titans are, like, really good. Ryan Tannehill, I saw this stat going He's into amazing. today's game. His 14 starts with Tennessee going into today. He's 11-3, and three, and compared to Mahomes' last 14 starts, they have the same record, pretty much the same yards. Mahomes has 70 more. Touchdowns, to interceptions, Tannehill's 31-6. and six. Mahomes was 28-6. and six. And Tannehill had a better quarterback rating. He's been incredible for them. Really speaks to the Adam Gase effect. When once you leave his coaching, how much better you get. We've seen it with him, uh, Robbie Anderson. I'm sure we'll see it with Le'Veon Bell shortly with the Chiefs. But I mean, Tennessee's five and zero, and you know they. I don't say they got lucky, but Romeo Cornell made a decision. They were up seven, the Texans at the end of the game decided to go for two to try to put it away. They didn't get it. Uh, Tennessee comes down, scores a touchdown, seven seconds left to tie the game. And I mean, I, I think Tennessee doesn't get talked about in the same realm as the Baltimore's and the Chiefs in the AFC, but I think they're right there because they're so explosive offensively. 
Their passing game is great with A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, nice slot receiver, Anthony Fersker, good friend of mine from high school. He led the Titans in receiving 113 yards today. Derrick Henry sure. is a beast. Like I think they deserve to be in that category with those teams. Yeah, I mean, even a team like the Steelers gets more love, I feel like, than the Titans do nationally. And people forget that. I mean, they, they did make the AFC Championship game, and that was fairly competitive. Um, Tannehill play the num- Steelers next week, actually. Yeah, that'll be a great game. I mean, Tannehill's numbers week in, week out are just insane. And I kind of thought, I like the over in this game. I thought Tennessee might come out a little flat. I thought Houston would would pull their weight. Um, just again, kind of riding the high off their win last week, first game without Bill O'Brien, and they, I mean, they played well. Deshaun Watson put up numbers, but Tannehill has just been <laughs> crazy. It's insane. I mean, I think they got a little flack for giving him that big contract, but he is more than living up to it. The biggest like kind of mishap he's had so far was in the uh, Tuesday night game when he was celebrating and almost like hurt his knee when he, when he was running into the end zone, almost tripped, but very impressive from them. Two big wins uh, on a short week, putting up a lot of numbers. Derrick Henry is just, a, the guy is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, Tennessee, they took care of business there. Let's do Sunday's scariest moment, Tyler. Um, so, I mean, it, it is always a little scary to be recording this before the Sunday night game when we know we're finishing it afterwards when the 49ers are playing. Do or die game, one more there. That's not my Sunday scariest moment. My Sunday scariest moment it's just like, I think we, I mean, we've spoken about Adam Gase. We've spoken about the Jets a little bit, but just for the Jets generally, I mean, if you're a Jets fan, the Sunday scariest moment is just the fact that, like, your team is beyond repair at this point. Warren Sharp tweeted this out. So, Tyler, the Jets' halftime margins in 2020. Here are the stats for you. Minus 21, minus 18, minus 18, minus 14, minus 10, minus 4. That's combined... They've been down in first halves, 114 to 29, 29 total points in the first half. That's 85 points overall. It's the third worst average halftime margin since 2002. I'd love to know who the other two teams are. Probably the Lions, the year they didn't win, and maybe the Browns, the year they didn't win a game. Um, So, yeah, Adam Gase, New York Jets, Joe Flacco. Feel bad for our guy, Frank Gore. They get rid of Le'Veon this week for nothing. It's insane. So Sunday scariest moment goes out to Jets fans. You think it can't get any worse, but it continues to. They haven't covered a game all year, uh, which you mentioned to me before we got on. And even this week, it was like nine and a half. And you kind of look at it, you're like, I don't know. Are the Dolphins going to keep being world beaters like they they were versus the 49ers? And I mean, it was it was never really in question. Is there a worse team right now to be a fan of in all of sports than the New York Jets? Uh, I, I, I couldn't name one off the top of my head, so probably not. I mean, they're they're so bad, and my Sunday scariest moment ties into this as well as Trevor Lawrence, uh, the quarterback at Clemson. Obviously, everyone wants to tank for him, and Atlanta won today. The Giants won, so the only winless team left are the Jets. So right now, they're in clear contention to get him. And you know, if I'm him, I might just return to Clemson. Why would you want to go to this Jets team? You know, he's having a great year at Clemson. He threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns in the first half yesterday. Uh, Clemson looks like they're going to go probably back to their third straight national championship game. They look incredible. So I feel bad for him. Like, I would want no piece of this Jets team. Like you said, they haven't covered a spread yet. They've scored 75 total points through six games. They're so bad. (laughs) 
And you look at the other one-win teams like Cincinnati, the Chargers, Houston, um, the Giants, the Eagles. Like, these teams are competitive, at least. Like, Jets have not been competitive at all. Like, the Thursday night game for Stemper, maybe. They're going up against, like, a third-string quarterback in that game. They still lost. So, they've been terrible. I have no idea what their plan is is, you know, they had Darnold, like, going into last year, it was them and the Bills, right? Like you thought I liked them one... last year. I thought they would be, like, a maybe a wild-card team. Yeah, it was, they, they blew that game versus the Bills week one, then Darnold got mono, and it's just, it's fallen apart <laughs> since then. They sh- I saw a stat, like, the last, like, six offenses that Adam Gase has coached in total offense. They've been bottom 10, bottom 5 every year. It's incredible. This guy got a second head coaching job, and people are saying the Dolphins or foolish for letting him go. He's terrible. They let they cut Le'Veon Bell. He's on the Chiefs. They play the Chiefs in two weeks, so you know Le'Veon Bell. It's kind of that game scheduled or circled on the schedule. And you look at the remaining schedule, like I really don't think they can win a game. Their next three games, home versus the Bills, at the Chiefs, home versus the Patriots. Then they play at the Chargers, home Dolphins maybe, home Raiders maybe. Like It's, it's, it's not an easy path to a win. So could be looking at an 0-16 season. So tough, tough season for fans that are still there. At this point, I don't, I don't even blame you if you're uh, looking for another team to root for. Who did they play next week? You said the Bills. Uh, yeah, they play the Bills then at Kansas City the next what two you, weeks. What do you think that line's going to be? Little Simmons, cousin. For the Bills game or the Chiefs? Mm-hmm. Are competitive tomorrow? Uh, assuming they're yeah, assuming they're competitive tomorrow versus the Chiefs. Uh, I, I think it would have to be like. 14, 15 at least. Um, yeah. Everyone, everyone's going to be betting against them until they prove otherwise. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, at what at what point do you bet on the Jets? I don't know. Um, but let's, let's hit on a couple other games we previewed this week. Let's do one that did not go as we planned. Um, the Probably the premier matchup of the week for Sunday, besides this Packers-Bucks uh, game, Browns-Steelers. We both like the Browns in this one, uh, plus three and a half. They'd coming in hot, and we're looking for their first win in Pittsburgh in what? I think 16 tries, something like that. And it did not happen for them. 38 to 7, they got crushed. Baker got benched. He was 10 of 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, two picks, got sacked four times. And you look at the Steelers' side of the coin. I mean, the defense is the real deal. This is what we were kind of nervous about. Uh, is the defense going to overpower the Browns' offense? Is Baker going to let us let us all down here? Um, and I don't know, Tyler. This one seemed like it got away early as I was kind of watching along on my phone on Red Zone. And I, I knew I had a bad feeling as soon as I saw the Steelers went up 10 nothing because we know that's against everything that Kevin Stefanski and the Browns need to do to win games. They need to run the ball, get ahead early, and be able to milk the clock. Like It's kind of like the same way if the Vikings were playing the Steelers last year and we're like, oh shit, now Kirk Cousins, it's not, not the recipe for success. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the Steelers' offense did a ton in this game. They had under 300 yards. So like you said, it was all the defense, and the way the game started was exactly not what we needed. They got a field goal, then Baker throws an awful pick six. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick returns that, and I was like, this game's over. They're not built to play from behind. You sacked four times. He's pressured on over 50% of his dropback. So the Steelers' defense is legit. Um, Devin Bush got hurt on their team toward his ACL. So that that's a tough loss for them, but 
I mean, this defense is incredible. They've recorded three or more sacks in six straight games going back to last year. That ties the longest streak in franchise history. And they're also the second team in NFL history to have at least three sacks and an interception each of their first five games of the season. So in a year where everyone likes talking about offenses and the overs, I mean, this defense is incredible. They're flying around. Um, so, yeah, this was this was a bad game for the Browns. I think the Browns are just a team going forward that when they're playing, you know, the Steelers, the Ravens, any premier playoff teams in the AFC, you, ju- you fade them. And when they play the worst teams, they, they could beat up on them because they have the talent. But this was a bad showing for Baker especially. I think there are going to be some qu- – Case Keenum came in because Baker was getting banged up. But at this point, if Baker plays bad in another game or two, I think there's going to be real questions if Case Keenum is the better guy for them because you look at the rest of the team, they're good enough to make the playoffs. So I think Baker's spot in there is going to start to get on the hot seat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, this was a big spot where even if they lost today, but he played decent to hold his own in Pittsburgh versus that defense would have been a big statement. Um, obviously, kind of back to square one there. And I mean, Case Keenum, he's he's a journeyman, but we did see what he did that one year uh, with the Vikings. Uh, you, you're you're not thrilled if he's your starter, but you feel pretty good with him as a backup. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think he could come in and win some games for you. And in a game like this, probably not play as bad as Baker. Like, the the two interceptions he threw were so bad. And you could see when a team gets after him, he gets happy feet in the pocket and tries rolling out. And he's just – he's not fast enough to do that. So, I mean, he struggled. Big Ben didn't do much in this game, threw for under 200 yards. But it doesn't seem like they're going to have to um, with this defense. And Chase Claypool had a rushing touchdown today. And, I mean, they're just so deep at receiver. We talked about it on the pick pod, how they're so good at finding these guys in the draft between him, James Washington, Juju only had two catches for six yards. So they're deep, I think. And it'll be interesting to see when they play Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee next week, if their offense could go shot for shot with them, if the defense struggles a little bit, but I think they do have the weapons to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other game we previewed that already happened, the Chicago Bears went into Carolina. They were one-point dogs, and they had the outright victory today. So that was big for me in our uh, head-to-head. Nice to get one in my tally after being ice cold for what feels like weeks now. Um, Panthers back to 500, but give the Bears credit. Now they're 5-1. and one. Um this feels unlikely, but, I mean, you look at what happened in, in the uh, Green Bay game today. Now they're sitting atop the NFC North six games into a 16-game schedule. So you got to gotta start taking this team a little bit seriously. It's still, to me, nothing to do with the offense. Like, you look at their offensive numbers. They're actually outgained by the Panthers in this one. But defensively, they get the job done, right? They forced three turnovers on Carolina. Um and get four sacks on Teddy. So that's kind of the recipe they had a couple of years ago, right? When they, uh, Nagy's first year, it seems like they're going back to that. And Nick Foles is not going to really lose a game for you, generally speaking. Did I miss anything while I was out on the golf course just watching this one? No, this was, this was just a frustrating game for having Carolina. Um, they just kept making so many mistakes. Like you said, three turnovers. Bridgewater, this was the worst game he's played. He sacked four times, and credit to the Bears' defense. They got after him, and I wouldn't say it's that 2018 level, but it, it, they look really good, and they were flying around and didn't really make Bridgewater comfortable in this game, but I thought Carolina's play calling was like pretty shoddy for most of the game. A lot of like weird play calls. They had a third and goal 
they did a play action when when the Bears defense was getting to them so quickly. So do play action, that scenario was bad. They were pretty bad in the red zone, only scored one touchdown on three trips. Um, they had eight penalties. So this, was, this wasn't a fun game to watch by any means. DJ Moore um, dropped a pass. I would say it was Bridgewater's fault, actually. It was fourth and two at the end of the game. They had the ball on probably the Bears' 45. Uh, nice play call. DJ Moore is wide open. Bridgewater doesn't throw a great pass. Moore drops it, and that was the game there. Um, so there, there wasn't much. This was a pretty boring game, I would say, but very frustrating because I felt like the Panthers had chances to win, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot. Um, yeah, it's it's weird that the Bears are 5-1. and one. You have to give them some credit at some point. I still don't think they're very good, but the, def- the defense has definitely returned to somewhat of that 2018 form you saw. They play... I think the next few weeks will actually tell us what how good they actually are. They play at the Rams on Monday Night Football next week. Then they play the Saints and at Tennessee the next three weeks. So that that those will be a true barometer of this team. Mm-hmm. Do you think Christian McCaffrey was secretly happy that the Panthers finally lost without him? Yeah, you, part of you has to be a little happy. Mike Davis had a nice game, but you could tell versus like a defense like the Bears that you need a McCaffrey type guy um so i'm sure there's a piece of him that's a little happy given how well they had been playing uh, in his absence yeah yeah you have to you have to think so any other games we should hit on tyler or quick break and then yeah so we'll take a break and it'll be a few hour break we'll be back after the 49ers rams game for our reaction there and to give out our grandpa billy's bum of the week Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid only through September 30th. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. You know what? I'm excited to watch the 49ers make it back to the Super Bowl and get over the hump this year. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Okay, and it is 10.36 Central Time. We just watched the 49ers with a huge win on Sunday Night Football, moved to 3-3, and much-needed win. Uh, we felt like they had lost this game. The season was over. I'd taken the Rams earlier this week on the Pick'em Pod, so I'm happy I was incorrect in this instance. Um, this was a huge win for the 49ers, Cody. Yeah, it was massive. I, uh, It was a huge turning point for the 49ers season. It was big for us and our Pick'em head-to-head to get another uh, 2-0 in our, in our head-to-head. Um, 
picks this week. So big for me there. But yeah, most importantly, the 49ers and Garoppolo looked terrible last week. I was I was dreading potentially having to hop on if the 49ers got rolled tonight, which seemed like there was a little bit of movement in terms of the public being like, oh, the 49ers might win. The line I saw around kickoff was closer to like two and a half instead of three and a half. So I was getting a little nervous in that sense, but they looked amazing in the first half. This The first drive was just vintage Shanahan. He scripted just a, a masterpiece. He had pulled out all the stops. Mostert was great. Debo Samuel is an absolute workhorse. The play where he thought, everyone thought he's down, but he kept running, and he actually was, wasn't down. Um... But I mean, it was it was a huge win. They did a great job in terms of defending the Rams' uh, passing attack and and run game generally. And even though they have so many injuries, they got back Emmanuel Mosley. We saw what that did to their secondary. Jason Verrett made a massive play. He's been good this year. He's basically been like the only cornerback that's actually been uh, decent for them. Um, and he made a massive interception in the red zone. And most importantly, this team's going to go as far as. Honestly, Jimmy G's going to take it. He's 23-33, 268, three touchdowns. And you know what, Tyler? It's been a long, long week or so for the Jimmy G stands on Twitter. 49ers Twitter is not a fan of him. Um, He played great tonight. I mean, Shanahan basically spoon-fed him the offense, and it worked. Yeah, he played well. I mean, he couldn't have played any worse than he did. Last week, and I think, like you said, Shanahan had a good game plan for kind of beating the Rams pass rush. We talked about it. Aaron Donald's been absolute beast tonight, or this season. Tonight, they only had two total pressures. Both were by Donald, but they essentially took him out of the game. Um, no sacks were allowed of Garoppolo's. A lot of quick throws, which were good. I did get frustrated in the second half, though, that, you know, they were up and felt like they got very conservative, run-run pass. And so many people like to criticize Garoppolo, and I mean, he's not perfect. I'm not going to sit here, say he's a top five quarterback in the league, but we've seen him carry them multiple times last year in games, and Shanahan gets so conservative with him, and people are like, Shanahan doesn't trust him, you know, they need to move on from him, all this stuff. It's like, look at the stats with Garoppolo as a quarterback compared to the other quarterbacks. It's not like, did I miss when they went 10-1 and with C.J. Beathard or something? So for all the people that say, oh, get rid of Garoppolo, it's like 49ers have been at their best, and Shanahan's been at his best as a head coach with Garoppolo. They have weapons. I think they should open it up more. And, yeah, he missed the third use check at the end. Um, He's human. But I think when they're playing more aggressive, that's when they're good. There was a sequence in the second half, like first down, play action, Kittle, 20-yard pass. Then they run it twice in a row. It's like, gotta. I think you have to go to Garoppolo more. We've seen him be able to do it. And with Debo back healthy, Kittle, IU, Kendrick Bourne, like they have guys that you could throw the ball to, especially with Raheem Mostert out of the game. I, I don't think they should go so conservative. Yeah, yeah. It is something that's, I mean, it's a struggle with Shanahan. You see the first couple of drives of a game are just incredible with him. The first 15 or so plays that he scripts and then he gets, it, it happens. It's been a theme. It's something we monitored before. You look at the Saints game last year. He was kind of uh, pulling out all the stops the whole game because they needed to keep up in the track race. And we've, all, we, and we, we've seen him in, in the Super Bowl. Shanahan kind of sat on things in the first half. 
But bottom line is 49ers moved to three and three. They needed to win tonight. They got it. The Rams on their front. I mean, we we spoke about the fact that this game was going to come down to can the 49ers protect Jimmy G? It's been a struggle. I think I saw they gave up about 10 sacks or something last two weeks. None tonight. As you mentioned, Aaron Donald was held in check. And in terms of golf, this was kind of more the same. I think he... Him and Jimmy G at times, you can have a similar criticism where if you get pressure in their face, they get flustered. They get a little bit of happy feet from time to time. And just thought Goff kind of missed some guys. You look at his stats. I mean, he did. Cooper Cup did drop a touchdown, but he's 19 to 38, 198 yards. Yes, he got two touchdowns. He had a nice one at the end of the game to Reynolds, but through the pick and it just seemed like this Rams team never really got in a rhythm and credit to Shanahan and the 49ers. I mean, I think they had the ball time of possession for about 38 minutes. So they, they allowed the defense to stay on the sidelines, rest up. Um, and, and we'll see what happens with here. I mean, I think both these teams are definitely going to be vying for one of those, uh, wild card spots. And this is of course, not the last we've seen of the Rams or even these teams playing each other. Of course, at least one more time could see them winning playoff games and, and us getting a matchup there. Um, but Tyler, since it is late here, do you have anything else you want to add on that? Um, yeah, just I think credit to Robert Sala, right? Last week they got torched by Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. It was incredibly embarrassing for the defense to come back and play as well as they did. You know, the red interception was huge. Obviously, changed possession and everything. But the situation where if, the, if that's just an incomplete pass, 49ers take over on their own one-two yard line. Who knows what happens there? So great, pe- great play by... Jason Verrett, um, he played 36 coverage snaps tonight, six targets, only allowed one catch for four yards. He was amazing. And, you know, you, if Sherman could come back in a couple of weeks and Mosley could stay healthy and the other guys on the defense could get a little healthy, like the defense should be able to get not get back to what it was last year, but at least play very well to keep them in a lot of these games. They have a big game next week versus the Patriots and their next four or five games, I showed it, are very tough. So, Foreigners want to make the playoffs. The good thing is they're going to play the teams that they have to beat, you know, that are ahead of them in the NFC. So it's, you know, push up or shut up time. But tonight was a, was a big first step. And you could see when Debo got that first down at the end of the game, that iced it. Like there was like a lot of jubilation on the sideline. I think there was a lot of uh, frustration from the last couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, hopefully they keep that up. Um, but let's wrap it up here. I'm, I'm falling asleep here. Um, Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. Tyler, I'll let you get started here. So my Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, a classic good friend of mine, Kirk Cousins. Um, he was absolutely terrible today. Look at his final stats. He threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. You'd be like, oh, he played actually pretty well. He was terrible versus the Falcons. His touchdowns came in garbage time. He had three picks. He threw a pick on the first play of the game. He's leading the NFL in uh, interceptions this year with 10. His first pass of the game got picked off. And throw three interceptions versus the Falcons is absolutely pathetic. Defense that has been getting absolutely shredded this year. I think there was a shot of feeling uh, getting angry at him on the sideline. So Kirk Cousins, uh, he's been the Grandpa Billy's bum of the, t- bum of the week many a times on this podcast. So running that back, um, he's, he's terrible. The Vikings are one five. They gave him a contract extension. 
before the season, there was a, I saw something on Twitter like, should the Vikings get rid of Mike Zimmer? I don't know if that should happen, but just seems like the Vikings as a franchise are trending in the wrong direction. And to throw three picks versus the Falcons is not is inexcusable. Yeah, yeah, I like the Vikings today versus the Falcons. So uh, the the anti Dan Quinn effect there, but um, no, I mean they clearly are are missing Kevin Stefanski and Stefan Diggs. I don't know. I'm not sure what the deal is there with Cousins, but he's he's throwing the ball a bit too much, I think, because that defense is so lackluster. Um, my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. We've spoken about it in the past couple of weeks here, but I'm running back to well as well. Um, and going with Major League Baseball. They've had two Game 7s here for teams going to the World Series. Braves-Dodgers has a little more hype that's going on now. It's entering the ninth. Uh, but you had Rays-Astros as well. And I just feel like there's legitimately no talk about, about these games. There's a little bit of hype um, that we could get. Astros-Yankees didn't happen. I mean, baseball is absolutely praying right now. We're going to the top of ninth here. The Dodgers are up one that the Dodgers at least make it because if you're staring at a Braves Rays World Series, um, I think you're going to be. Uh, I, I don't know. I think our podcast might have similar ratings to the World Series if that if that happens. So the Major League Baseball has got to get it together. These games are on too late. This is maybe me screaming from uh, the old man, get off my lawn, but like. It, the game should start earlier. There just has to be better ways to package this stuff so people actually find it and aren't like, oh, I'd rather watch football or I'd rather watch NBA Finals. And it all go- comes back to the fact that they blew it in July in terms of the players and owners and coming to terms on on figuring out a way to get back and, and capturing that first month uh, where you had everyone just going crazy and <laughs> wanting any sports that were out there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Dodgers-Braves has gotten good coverage, or there's people talking about it, and you, like, watch the games, and there's so many, like, great players on both teams, Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Ozuna, like, so many great players on both sides, and it feels like there is talk about it, but not at a level it should be for the NLCS. I don't know if it's because of, the, you know, the regular season being only 60 games and doesn't feel like a real year, but... When you watch the the game going on tonight, it feels intense and like you could feel the energy. But I agree with you. I mean, the Rays Astro series, you know, the Astros were about to come back from a 3-0 deficit. And credit to the Rays for winning Game Seven and not letting that, you know, mental block whatever overtake them and w- coming back and winning Game Seven. But no one was talking about that series. And like you said, the MLB was praying for the Yankees Astros to be a thing. And then either of those teams going up against the Dodgers, that's what they're hoping. Um, but yeah, no one, no one really cares about baseball anymore. And the games, the games are so slow. It's just that's a fact. They're, they take too long. There's too many pitching changes in between each pitch. Takes too long. So baseball, baseball's in a breaking point, I think, with it. Mhm, mhm. And they're just playing for a piece of metal, as Manfred so eloquently put it. Um, but yeah, let's. That's I think that wraps it up, Tyler, for the full slate Sunday Scaries pod. We've got two Monday night games tomorrow, which is very exciting. Chiefs, Bills, Cowboys, Cardinals. We'll be back next week for the week seven pick and pot edition.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.